You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 256 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? There's always stuff happening. You know what I've just done? I've just played with uh, power tools and I feel like really (laughs) up myself. I'm just so proud that I managed to hang a pot plant on the wall and I'm just sitting here nervously because it's like I hope I I put that, that screw in far enough into the wall so that it doesn't just like fall in the middle of the night because there's nothing scarier than oh like you God. hear that sound because it's happened before obviously so if I'm there are listeners who are new to this this isn't you know home depot or bunnings for chicks <laughs> this is actually a podcast about photography but obviously gina felt the need to share what she's most proud of today that's using it. power tools I'm very cool. proud well of using done. power tools. Can you use power tools? Do you like using power tools? Don't you just feel like powerful when you're using power tools? Is that why they're called power tools? Could no, you feel I don't good? think that's why they're called power tools, but I do use power tools. Mm. I'm not bad with a jigsaw. Mm. Um, and what else do I use? Yeah, just other stuff. That's mainly that saw wood. <laughs> <laughs> And we've got a great topic this week, Val, but bringing it back to photography, we're going to be talking about five reasons why your images aren't sharp and how to fix them, which is probably one of the most asked questions that we get on photography. Uh, So really, and we're going to do a deep dive into why your images. Definitely something I'm guilty of. Yes, so definitely a good topic. But uh, before we plunge into that, we want to give a big shout out to Simply Mish from Canada, who kindly left us a five-star rating on iTunes and entitled it, So Nice I Tried It Twice. So Mish is also a poet as well as a photographer. (laughs) So Simply Mish said, One day I came across an episode of So You Want to Be a Photographer. From there I went back through to the earlier episodes to catch up. A few days ago I got all the way through, then went back and started from the beginning again. That's legendary. (laughs) That's awesome. When information is too technical, too scientific, I get lost. Gina seems to know how to deliver the information I need. She uses Gina Speak to explain the scientific and technical. Then there is Valerie, the other half of this duo, who is either trying to rein Gina in or letting her go. <laughs> All the information I need delivered with the right touch of humour to keep me entertained. While I enjoy learning from Gina and Valerie and trying some of the recommendations, I will never understand their appreciation for Nutella. Perhaps that just leaves more Nutella for them. That's right, well, it does. done, Simply <laughs> Mish. Love it. Thank you so much for leaving us a review on iTunes. That's 
We're very, very grateful. And of course, if you have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it helps us in the rankings. So you've made our day, I can pretty much safely say. You see, I tried being a poet then too. You made my day. What was the rest of the poem? Oh, I've forgotten now. Anyway, (laughs) you want to give a big shout out to the awesome community on Facebook. So if you haven't yet joined us, it's a free community. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join because we'd love to have you in there. And there are photographers of all levels from all over the world and all walks of life. So who do you want to highlight, Gina, this week? Well, I love the members of this uh, podcast community and I love seeing everyone's work and I love how the community just brings out the best in everyone. So so um, recently there was a long-time member of the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook community and also, uh, like a lot of members, a lurker. And um, mm. he, Brent is his name, posted... An image with a caption uh, sharing his feelings about self-doubt. He's like, he said, you know, I really struggle with self-doubt and it's hard for me to post anything because I think it's crap. And uh, he photo, he, he shared a photo of his, a beautiful image of his aunt uh, Marguerite, a strong Sicilian lady who was not, who's 97. 97. Uh, and beautiful, beautiful image and that was great. I, like I loved that he had the courage to post the image and that the image was beautiful and uh, then the bit that I loved the most was that uh, there was just this incredible outpouring of love and support for Brent and, you know, they say that like attracts like and I love see this, – this, this happens a lot in the community where if someone is honest enough to share their feelings, there's always this uh, beautiful outpouring of, of support and that's yeah. one thing I love about uh, this Facebook community. And um, then Brent went on um, and, he, and he has uh, since joined the gold community and we do talk about one of the things – that I love to teach in the goal community as well as all the technical stuff, getting the shot right, you know, nailing exposure, learning about lighting is getting over that fear because if you're going to go out and uh, shoot portraits on a regular basis, this fear is something that you really need to tackle and that's probably the first thing I work on with uh, new members and get them out there uh, shooting beautiful portraits of fear and self-value. So I also want to say a big welcome to all the new Goldies and, um, Mm. you know, so excited to be working with all of you. And if you want to find out a bit more about the Gold community, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold community. The Gold community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. 
In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. Alrighty, so this week's topic, five reasons why your images are not sharp and how to fix them. Where do we start on this? Because I don't know, sometimes like as I get older, I think that half the reason my images aren't sharp is because my eyesight's going. (laughs) (laughs) I always used to think that that was the reason. So when I was starting out, this is the one thing that I just struggled with and I didn't Mm. realise that Not all blur is created equal. I just assumed that my shots were out of focus because there was something wrong with my eyesight. And so I actually (laughs) went and had my eyesight tested. And, you know, I I got diopters for the back of the camera, which are like um, like lenses for the viewfinder so that you can, uh, like putting glasses onto your uh, viewfinder and things like that. And nothing was working. I was still getting images that were out of focus and it was so frustrating so that's what uh, this episode is about so over the last 30 years I've managed to work out that not all blur is created equal and there are many 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 reasons why your images are out of focus so there are five main factors Val but the first thing you want to rule out before we go into these different factors is that you your camera has a mechanical fault so you want to rule that out so there's um all modern dslrs and mirrorless have a way without getting too technical the camera body where you've got a detachable lens right on and the Mm -hmm. camera body the 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 system has a way where the camera body talks to the camera lens they talk to each other they communicate they're communicating constantly and so it'll be dave the camera body will be saying to Steve, the um, camera lens, um, okay. mate, okay, I want you to, uh, we're focusing on the eye, on the eye, on the eyeball, or do you want me on the eyelash? No, no, mate, on the eyeball. So they're constantly. Z- Is that z- how talk. they talk? That's how they talk. That's how my cameras okay. talk. You know, right. have you ever, um, have you ever worked out how, uh, have you got a voice for your pets? Like if your cats could speak, have you worked out a voice for them? I have. Not really. I've given everything in my okay. life a voice that doesn't right. have one. So, you know, yes, my, my camera. So so they're communicating and you can see um, like the little contacts that the lens has with the camera, they attach and it's a very sophisticated system, probably more sophisticated that I've made it sound. But what can happen is because they're constantly um, talking to each other, the occasionally what happens is uh, the uh, factory settings that you'll have 
um, at the when Hans makes the camera and he sets it all up and he says, okay, when we're focusing on the eyeball, this is the spot that you need to focus on. Sometimes they're out and this is a technical term by a bee's pippy, which is very frustrating. So that's a bee's pippy. It's pretty, it's a tiny, a tiny amount, but it means that like, and it's very frustrating for photographers because you know you've got your focus point on the eyeball. It should be sharp, but it's either sharp on the eyelashes just before, just in front of the eyeball, or it's, it's, a sharp just a little bit beyond so it's like to the side of the eye and the eyes just out of focus and for a, for a portrait if the eyes are out of focus it kind of makes uh, the portrait not usable really it's soft you can't use it so it's either your camera's front focusing or it's back focusing so there are a couple of uh, ways that you can test this out you can take your camera to the uh, uh, camera repair store and you can mm-hmm. get them to check the focus settings and recalibrate your lens and your camera. Or um, there is a really simple way. And if you uh, guys are interested, uh, EP223, uh, mm-hmm. and that's with guest Wayne Rogers. We covered this in depth. And Wayne shares one of the most uh, accurate and awesome ways and cheap ways to test uh, your camera lens and focusing system using a tape measure and of all things, a cereal box. So he details that, how you line that up and set it all up. So if you are wondering uh, and you want to rule out mechanical error, then I suggest you go and check out that episode uh, and uh, that'll that'll tell you if if it's... uh, you know, got to do with the camera rather than something that you might be doing uh, yourself. So, um, but today's episode is all about everything that is not mechanical error that may cause your images to be unsharp or the, uh, the term that most photographers use is soft. 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 The worst thing you can say about a photo (laughs) is it's Soft. So, like, you're sitting there, you're editing, and you're going, nah, nah, soft, nah, soft, mm-hmm. nah. Oh, that's a sharp one. Soft, soft, soft. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So, shall we get into it? What the uh, five topics are? Reasons all right, why? All right. What's the first one? Images... All right. So, the first reason that your images aren't sharp is motion blur. Now, motion blur is oh, when you're the... shaky. Right. The subject that you're photographing moves. Now, mm. I think I've shared this story before, but it's worth sharing again. Very early on in my portrait career, I was doing headshots and uh, the client, uh, I, I was taking shots and uh, they were slightly out of focus. And the client said to me, uh, the images are out of focus. And I said, yes, because you moved. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And I got away with it. Did did that go down well? It did go down well. Mm. They apologised. They're like, oh, sorry. I'm like, well, you know, you need to keep still, you know. So, um, and this is an important thing and and it has to do uh, with shutter speed. So the best and easiest way to control motion blur is with your shutter speed. So um, having movement in an image is not, it's not always a bad thing. It can be a good thing. It can give life to your image. But, um, and I've got 
uh, a lot of detailed diagrams in this week's show notes. So if you want to uh, follow along, just go to genomalish.com and uh, you'll find the show notes for this week's episodes because there's a lot of uh, before and after images that really explain exactly what we're talking about. So I can you can see that uh, I've got two images of... Uh, a young guy boxing, right? And he's hitting a boxing bag. And at one fifteenth of a second, uh, as he hits the boxing bag, you can not only see that his arm is slightly out of focus caused by motion blur, but so is the boxing bag that he's hit. It's, it's, it's moving and it's uh, blurry, but that's motion blur. When I've shot him at one four hundredth of a second, it's completely frozen, his arm is sharp, everything in the image is sharp. So if you want to get, make sure that your images are super, super sharp, you wanna make sure that you freeze motion and like, and it might be that uh, if you're doing a portrait shoot, you might be photographing a fidgety child or a speaker on stage or dancers, anyone that's moving around and you're shooting handheld, you want to make sure that you've got a fast enough shutter speed to freeze the motion. So if someone is static, as in there, you're doing a portrait shoot and someone's sitting down, you want to make sure. And so as you're shooting them, obviously you're talking to them. They might laugh occasionally or they'll answer a question or they'll just fidget around. If you're shooting at a shutter speed that's too slow, Uh, you're going to get a little bit of motion blur. So to freeze that, you want to make sure that handheld portraits are one, one twenty-fifth of a second or higher. That's your shutter speed, right? Yep. Now, if you're shooting sports or action, so you've got uh, people running or jumping or playing sport, anything like that, you you need a much, much faster shutter speed. You need minimum one one thousandth of a second all right and Mm -hmm. and to 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 freeze the action so in order to do this you you're going to need to crank up your iso so don't be afraid to have a higher iso so that you can you're able to shoot at these much faster shutter speeds and freeze the action and you know if when you're shooting sport and freezing the action, it can look amazing, especially if you're doing um, stuff like gymnastics or, you know, action sport where, you know, there's a burst of action. If you want to see some great examples of what can be achieved when you when you work with fast shutter speeds, check out the work of gold member Scott uh, Stokeg, who shoots uh, a lot of wrestling, like um uh, people wrestling and 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 he gets them airborne and they're amazing and he's constantly shooting at uh, shutter speeds of over one one thousandth of a second and higher but like the shots that he gets because it's like we're not seeing these with the uh, the naked eye right mm. so so he just freezes the motion and then and the, the images look really dynamic so it's that that's important if you want to freeze the action now. Having said all that, it's great when you want everyone to be frozen and not moving and make sure that everything's sharp all the way through, faster shutter speed. But keep in mind that sometimes uh, it's not always a good thing to have everything completely uh, static. So when I'm shooting lifestyle, I will often 
slow my shutter speed uh, down so that, and I'll have people walking through the frame so that they've got that uh, sense of movement going through the frame rather than having all my shots super, super sharp. Okay, so you can use slower shutter speeds to your advantage. And often in sport, you can see that if you were to photograph a race car going around the track and you can completely freeze the action if you're going in at a shutter speed of one four thousandth of a second or higher, basically what you get is a car that looks like it's parked on the side of the road. You can't feel yes. that, that sensation of the movement. That's but right. what what you can do is if you slow the shutter speed down and as you um, you have a slower shutter speed and as the car's going past you, you pan the camera. So you move the camera with the car. What you get is the car's in focus but the background has motion to it and you get that sense of the excitement of the movement of the car. Now, panning's not easy to do, but it's something that you can practice. Uh, Just stand on the side of the road and turn your camera on, shoot with a wider lens uh, at first and then just try slowing your shutter speed down and panning cars as they go by or people on bikes and see if you can get that sense of movement. But for the purpose of today's episode where we're talking about uh, getting your images super sharp. One of the first things you want to make sure is that it's not um, caused by motion blur. So you want to make sure that you've got a fast enough shutter speed just to get rid of any fidgeting and, and motion blur caused by fidgeting of movement. And you never have to tell a client, yeah, the shots are out of focus because you moved. <laughs> All You're right. so cheeky. That's you're so naughty. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. <laughs> no, neither can I. Yeah. All right. So reason number two why your images aren't sharp is camera shake. Now, whereas we talked about motion blur is caused by the subject moving, camera shake is caused where the image is blurry because the camera moves. So the per- And this one, Valerie, did my head in for <laughs> such a long time because I couldn't work out why my images were out of focus when it's like I've got the right depth of field, I'm shooting at a fast... I just couldn't mm-hmm. understand it and it was caused by camera shake. Now, I've got another in the show notes, a couple more images where you can clearly see... Uh, the difference between camera shake and motion blur. So camera shake is most obvious when you're shooting with a longer focal length, uh, say around 150th, 150 millimeters or longer. So the longer zoom lenses. And the reason for that is uh, when you think about um, zoom lens is zooming in on a subject. So the field of view Uh, angle of view on a zoom lens is so small that the slightest movement is magnified. And so when you're shooting on a wide angle lens, like even tiny movements, very forgiving on a wide angle lens. So you won't notice camera shake when you're working with wider lenses, but you definitely will notice it with longer lenses. So the examples that I've got in the show notes is I've got an example of shooting on handheld with a 200 millimeter focal length at 1/115th of a second you can see the camera shake there and and what it is is basically uh the little vibrations in the camera caused by the movement it just it looks out of focus 
but it's not. It's actually camera shake. So it's just like the pixels look like they're being dragged. Can you see that, Val? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, compared to when taking the same image and I crank up my shutter speed to one four hundredth of a second, that mm. gets rid of the camera shake. So, and now I've got a, a super sharp image and it, everything looks lovely. So what you want to do is make sure that uh, when you're shooting with longer lenses, as a general rule of thumb, if you've got a 200, like a, say you're shooting on a 200 millimeter focal length, double your shutter speed. So if you're shooting right. 200 millimeters, shoot at one four hundredth of a second and you won't experience camera shake. So if you're shooting at a hundred millimeter focal length, shoot at one two hundredth of a second and you'll be safe. So that's a good rule of thumb for uh, avoiding camera shake when you're handheld. Another thing you'll right. find that, that uh, like many uh, of the higher end lenses and, uh, and cameras now have uh, is an image stabilization has been around in cameras for a long time and it's now just starting to come into, uh, sorry, in lenses for a while, but it's now just starting to be uh, incorporated into the camera body. So what uh, image stabilization is, is it's like a, a gimbal system in the actual lens so that it... Um, that when if your cam if your lens is uh, moving or shaking a little bit, it'll correct it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, yeah, just like a little gimbal inside the camera, so it'll it'll counter any shake, which means that you can actually shoot uh, a couple of stops slower, so at a slower shutter speed than you normally would if you didn't have image stabilization. I've got image stabilization in both my 24 to 105 uh, Canon uh, IS lens that I use and also in my 70 to 200, which means that, say, if I should be shooting at 1/125th of the second, if I've got image stabilization on, I can probably get away with shooting at, say, a 30th of a second, which is a lot if you, you know, you, you, you want that extra little bit of light when you're shooting. All right, so that helps with uh, working uh, handheld. Okay, cool. All right. That makes sense. Now, one really important thing to remember, if you're using image stabilization, only use it when your camera is being handheld. If you put your camera on a tripod, always make sure that you turn the IS or image stabilization off because it'll actually, um, it's like a little motor that keeps correcting the lens. It'll That will give you um, camera shake the image stabilization will when you're on a tripod and it's fixed. So it's always a good really? idea. Make sure, yes, turn it off. Hmm. All right. I would not have thought that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so um, the third way to stop a motion blur is to uh, brace when you're holding the camera. So um, – uh, one of the one of the early mentors that I had, uh, photographer David Simmons, uh, used to uh, work on like classic Australian movies. He was a stills photographer, and uh, he wasn't able to bring. When you're shooting stills, you, you you're not allowed to sort of bring a tripod on the set, and often the lighting is really low. And so um, what he would do is he, he would uh, use all these different techniques to brace himself and his camera and he could shoot uh, sharp images 
at like at one fifteenth of a second. And so by bracing himself against a wall so that he wouldn't move, having his arms in tightly against his, like using his elbows against his body to brace the camera. So you can actually use your body as a tripod to keep the camera nice and steady. And yeah. uh, that, that helps because you can't, you don't always have the luxury of being able to work with a, a tripod to keep your images nice and steady so using things like keeping your elbows locking your elbows against your body and I've got like a couple of uh, a few examples like one of my favorite ones is like just sitting on the floor bum on the floor um, knees bent and I prop my elbows onto my knees and that work for me is like a really steady tripod and I, I that's how I I do a lot of my travel photography like that and keeps it nice and steady and that, and I can do multiple exposures where I'm bringing people in with lighting and then taking them out of the frame and uh, the, the, the shots are all exactly the same. So it's just like having a tripod. So the elbows on your knees as a brace, and there's an example in the show notes, is so, so handy to have. To, to keep your images nice. And the one that I love as well is using something like a tree stump or a fire hydrant or something to rest your camera on. So sometimes a rubbish later, bin. Rubbish bin. You've seen me do all of this, yep. Val, when I've travelled mm-hmm. with you. And that's like if you're shooting, say you're shooting a streetscape or a, 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 a dusk shot and you want to have that longer shutter speed but you don't have a tripod, that's something that you can rest your camera on, keep it nice and steady and you can take a, a shot that's a longer exposure. Yeah, good one. All right. What else have you got for us? <laughs> so the third reason why your images aren't sharp is the focus, the way that you focus. So the, the, the way, way you that focus. you focus. So the focusing system and how it operates. So it's it's um, like the focusing of the camera. Yes. So your focus. Okay. So uh, the camera's. Um, default uh, focus system like the point where the camera focuses is set at the middle of the frame right so you Mm -hmm. you depress the shutter halfway it'll focus from the middle of the frame and that's like you're telling the camera okay this is where I want you to focus dead center of the frame and most because Hans said it there that's how Hans said it but he's also cleverly added some other stuff in the last you know, 15 or so years, you can actually move that focus point around to exactly where you want it. All right. Mm -hmm. So um, if you want to um, go really in depth into the camera's autofocus system, there's also an entire episode dedicated to that. So that's uh, episode 205, how to master autofocus on DSLR and mirrorless cameras. So um, basically, for the sake of today, when you're focusing, what people get wrong is like they forget that the focus point is in the middle. So you've got your, say you're doing a portrait and you might have a tree in the middle of the frame and then you've got someone to the right of that tree, okay? And they're a few steps back from the tree. Now, and you're shooting at a shallow depth of field, so let's say shooting wide open f2.8, you take a shot, the camera, because you've told it or you haven't said anything, it's stated at its default setting, is going to focus in the middle of the frame on the tree. Mm-hmm. The person to the right of the tree, which is who you want it in focus, 
is going to be out of focus because the camera is focusing on yes, what's in the middle of, of the course. frame. Yes. All right. So the biggest game changer, and I can still remember when I showed you how to do it, Val, <laughs> change the focus points. So every camera has a system and there are too many brands to go into it in detail, but basically most cameras are somewhere around where the shutter release is. Uh, On the back of the camera, there will be like a toggle and there'll be a button that you can push on most cameras and you can you'll get a preview of, uh, if you look through the screen, you'll see all these little black boxes. And when you um, half depress the shutter, you'll see like there will be uh, one box lit up, which is the the area that you want to focus. Now you can make that as a single point or you can make it multiple points or you can make it the whole screen that focuses. And it'll change depending on what you're photographing, but you can move the focus points around. And now that we've got touch screens as well, you can look at the back of the screen and you can touch the screen and tell the camera exactly where you want to focus. And there's also uh, many cameras now that'll hunt for the eyes in a portrait and and focus on the face for you. So it kind of does it all for you, but you've got to um, help the camera out and tell it where it is that you want to uh, focus. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. All right. So, definitely. and you've also got uh, live view where you can um, turn turn the have the um, the LCD on, and it's like playing continuously, and then you can uh, zoom right in and see if your your image is focused. So there is lots of ways, but the 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 main one is that people are setting their focus point in the wrong spot and they're missing the eyes or the 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 detail of the area that they want to get in focus so learning to move the focus points is a game changer the 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 best thing that you could ever do for your photography and it feels clunky at first i remember you doing it val it was a bit awkward mm. for you wasn't it yes um, i recommend that if you've got a tripod Put your camera on a tripod. Go get yourself the styrofoam head or go and raid your kid's um, toy box and get lots of little dolls or get boxes of cereal. It doesn't matter and scatter them around and then practice moving your focus points around so that you can focus in different areas of the scene. And once you learn how to do this, it just opens up this whole new world of photography because you can position your model. doesn't need to be slap dab in the middle of the frame. You can have them anywhere that you want them in the frame. And it's just, oh, my God, it's amazing. Now, having said that. It does take a while to get used to it because you feel yourself, if you're so used to that, you know, um, center point old-fashioned way of the using the central point you you tend to just go back to that but it takes a little while to get used to but once you get used to it it makes so much sense it makes so much sense now depending on the camera that you have uh, you're either going to have fewer um, focus points to choose from or more focus points to choose from so so as a general rule the higher end of the camera is the more focus points you're going to have. Uh, like, you know, the Sony um, uh, Alpha has 425 autofocus points. You know, the Canon 1DX has 61. 
um, and then an, an, an entry level Nikon might only have a hundred. So the more more you pay for the camera, the more AF points you're going to get. Um, and then, the, and then the entry level ones might have um, a four to eight in a, a tiny cluster in the in the middle of the screen. So that that's uh, one of the downsides of focus points. But I think they're getting uh, better and more uh, sort of newer cameras are offering more focus points. So that'll that'll help with that. So, but it, that makes a huge difference. And there is a couple of diagrams that show uh, all of this in the show notes and the difference between um, when your focus point is set to the wrong spot as opposed to setting your focus point on the eyes. And when you're a new photographer learning all this stuff, you can often forget even to check where the focus point is because you're so excited that you've got the exposure and a lot you got the aperture and everything right that you go mm-hmm. oh yeah I forgot to check the focus so as you're starting out it's probably a good idea to have a little checklist in your pocket of things that you want to be checking off as you're going on you know and one of the one of the crucial things to check is is the image sharp and a lot of photographers avoid checking sharpness of an image for fear that it's going to make them look amateurish or incompetent it doesn't. It actually makes you look more professional. So don't be afraid. Never be afraid to stop, hold up a shoot and say, hang on, guys, just hold up a sec. I'm just checking focus. All the pros do that and they will hold up. You've seen that done, right, Val? Yeah. Hold up yep. a shoot for a couple of minutes while we check focus. We talk about it and we go, great, got the focus. Let's go. All right. So don't be afraid to check focus. And now there's no excuse to 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 not be able to do that because you can check right on the back of your LCD screen. Good. All right. So just on that, uh, something that you also need to know is that, again, that there are AF points. And so you'll get a camera that says, this camera has 4,000 AF points. And this camera has nine. They're not all the same. So not all AF points are created in the same way. So basically um, you can get, uh, there's there's three different kinds. You can get normal, which is uh, just focusing one way. And and, um, we cover this in an episode, that, that understanding autofocus episode. I go into this in great detail, how the whole autofocus system works. Information is power. This is like a really good thing to know, but I won't go into it too much. Otherwise, we'll be here till tomorrow, Val. <laughs> so, but, so you've got normal, cross, and dual cross. Do yourselves a favor, go into your camera menu, and if there's one thing that you can do that's like, this is a game changer to how many keepers you get as a shot, if you tell your camera to only light up the cross or dual cross points, which there will be fewer, but these are like they focus um, up and down and across ways, it's a much more accurate way of focusing and you'll find that you even by just doing that you're going to get much much sharper images I've done it on both my DSLRs and uh, honestly it's a game changer and I've probably gone from having you know say 90 to 45 focus points but I know that every single one of those focus points is a winner and when it locks on it locks on and I get far more keepers than I do sort of half 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 focused ones you know Great. Okay, great tip. All right, so finally on that, 
you want to make sure, Val, that you're correct. You're selecting the right focus mode. So if you are shooting a subject that's static, so if you're shooting a portrait of someone or a landscape, it's not moving, it's not going there, you want to have single AF mode selected. So you're telling the camera, nothing's moving in this shot, just focus where I tell you and it'll do that. Now, the mistake people make is they might um, shoot a static subject using a continuous focus mode, and that's not always sharp. So um, the, the continuous focus mode, which is what it's called for Nikon, Sony, Fuji, most cameras, or there the, the Canon call it AF servo, means that uh, the subject is moving. So if you're shooting sport, or a moving subject, people come walking towards you, kids running around the playground, dogs running, use a continuous focus mode. And that means that the focus, the camera will continually track and update the focus as the person's moving. It just tracks them. It's fantastic. All right. So continuous focus for Nikon, Sony, Fuji, other cameras, or AF servo if you're a Canon, which Val... Sounds like a gas station. Well, just on that, I'm going to make that the um, Aussie slang term of the week, which is something that I've introduced that makes me (laughs) so happy. So servo is the Aussie slang term of the week. I want you to please use this in a sentence this week at work. So a servo (laughs) is short for a service station, which is where... We Aussies buy our our petrol, your ice cream, uh, chocolate for the road trip. So your it's gas not, station. It's a gas station, and so we never say I'm going to get gas. We go and go to the servo, go to the servo, or you can get ice for your esky and things like that. Or the you can servo. do swap and go with your actual gas, your, like the, your gas cylinders. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For your Barbie. <laughs> It's a cool term, isn't it? So that, that that's Servo, the slang yeah. term of the week. I want it um, put in a sentence. I'd love to see you drop that in the um, in the on the <laughs> Facebook page at some point. Servo, and it's spelt s- just like um, Canon spell it with A F Servo. That's S E R V O. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, that covers uh, focus, Val. So number four is. Yes. The number four reason why your images aren't sharp is depth of field or aperture Mm -hmm. or f-stop choice. Now, the depth of field or aperture describes the range of an image which appears in focus. All right. So yes, but that's not your aperture. The depth of field. The depth of field. A range of image which appears to be in focus. Yes. Aperture is something that is something different. So. The um, depth of field, so if you, when you've got a shallow depth of field, um, you use a shallow depth of field to um, isolate a subject from the background. So we see this a lot in portraits where you've got, uh, say, uh, someone is standing in front of a background that's very, very busy and you want to isolate them from the background. You shoot with a shallow depth of field and that will blur the background out and the person that you're photographing becomes the hero of the frame. All right. Mm. And so the shallower the depth of field, the narrower the area that the fewer things in the frame are going to be in focus. Now, if you're shooting with very, 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 very shallow depths of field, like if you've got, say, 
uh, a 85 1.2 millimeter lens and you're focusing at 1.2 it's going to be very difficult to get the uh, the eyes in focus so and and this can be a problem and this can be a reason why your images are not in focus particularly if you're photographing more than one person so as a general rule when you're shooting a single portrait you have um, a little bit more leeway as to the uh, how shallow your depth of field can be because as long as the eyes are sharp, everything else can drop out of focus. The problems start to happen when you've got, say, more than one person in the frame. So say if you've got two people standing next to each other, Val, mm. and one person is slightly in front. So let's say that uh, uh, you've got a couple and uh, they're cuddling, but uh, one one of the members of the couple is slightly behind the other, right? Cuddling them around the way. So their head is further back in the frame. Yes. And you focus on the person in the front, on their eyes, and you're shooting it on an 85-millimeter lens at wide open, f1.2, because you want to throw the background out of focus. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen because of the nature of how depth of field works is the eyes will be sharp on the person in the front, but the because of the depth of field, it's it's going to go, it's going to drop out of focus for the person behind. Yes. Okay. So you need to be thinking about and experimenting with how your lens works and how much leeway you've got. And the more you work with a particular lens, the more you'll understand um, how much you need to um, allow for if you're shooting with couples and that it's going to vary depending on your uh, lens. So in the episode uh, that I talked about that covers um, uh, focus, we talk about uh, depth of field a lot and how it's how uh, different lenses uh, will affect the um the outcome of the shot depending on the aperture that you choose. So there is a, a couple of uh, diagrams in the show notes that show the the how much of the image is going to be sharp if you say you're using an 85 millimeter lens and you're shooting five meters from the model. When you shoot at f22, most of the image is going to be in focus, right? All the way mm-hmm. through from the start, from the front to the back. But when you go to f2.8, the image, the area that's going to be in focus is a lot smaller. So you need to remember that that's going to have a big influence on how your shots look. And in particular, when you're shooting group shots. So let's just say you're shooting a group shot and you're shooting on a 70 millimeter lens. What happens is the way the lens focuses is it will focus Um, if you focus on, say, uh, a third of the way in, so you've got a group uh, in front of you and there's a little diagram in the show notes if you want to follow along, but say you've got a a group of um, three, six, nine, 8, 14 people and they're in lines of four from the camera, Mm -hmm. right? And you focus on the second line from the camera, right? So like a third of the way in. What the camera does is it focuses a third of the way in front and two-thirds behind Okay, will be sharp in the image. So 
What you want to make sure is when you've got a group shot of people and you're shooting on a longer lens, you want to make sure that rather than focusing on the person that's closest to the frame, closest to the camera, you want to focus a third of the way in and you're going to have a better chance of getting that shot sharp all the way through. Yeah. All right. Okay. So Mm -hmm. what you need to remember is the, the longer the lens you're working on, the shallower the depth of field will be. So when you say if you're shooting on a uh, 24 millimeter lens, there's going to be more of that area in focus than when you shoot on a telephoto lens, a zoom lens, it's going to compress the area and you're going to have a much smaller area through the frame that's going to be in focus. So to be safe, when you're shooting group shots, you want to make sure that you shoot at a higher f-stop. So like rather than if you've got like lots of people in the frame, you want to cover yourself. And when I'm shooting groups, I like to shoot at around 11 and a half, uh, f11 to uh, f16 when I'm shooting on a longer uh, lens. And I try not to shoot at anything longer than um, 70 millimeters if I'm doing a large group to make sure that everyone is in focus from the front to the back of the group. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So that I learned that the hard way by trying to shoot group shots where I would shoot at 200 millimeters and I would shoot this shallow depth of field, focus on the person in the front. The person in the front would be in focus the person behind them would be in focus and by the time I got three rows back, they'd be out of focus. Mm. So I paid for that. So I learnt the hard way. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And did you say to them, it's because you moved, you hold back where you moved? <laughs> I just had to like do all these things and swap <laughs> heads and it's like, you know, so that is, so just uh, play it safe. When you're doing big groups, cover yourself and try and shoot f11 or higher and if you're shooting just a single person you've got more space and if you're shooting say couples just make sure that you've got both faces on the same focal plane so if you had that couple where one was cuddling one from behind and their faces were at different um sort of at different distances from the camera you want to just maybe swing them around so that their uh, eye line is on the same focal plane. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's probably, um, well, actually I'm trying to think whether Jack and Rose from Titanic. Oh my God. Yes. That's the, the, yeah. So if you were Val, if you were, you know, when they're doing that scene and they're at Mm. the front of the boat and they're like, she's in front of him and he's behind her and they've got Mm. their arms out. You would be um, right at that very end of the tip with your camera, right, trying to take Mm. a photo of them with a long lens, trying to hold on for dear life, (laughs) (laughs) right? But Mm -hmm. if you focused, what was the girl's name in the film? Rose. Rose. If you focus on Rose, Jack is out of focus. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so the workaround is either you, yeah, you need to be shooting at a, a, like a a higher narrower focal length so like f11 f16 and you want to sort of have a um a focal length of maybe 50 or or less to make sure that you nail that and get them in the frame and the fact that their arms are out you need a wider Mm. field of view so i'd probably shoot that on maybe a a 30 
35 millimeter lens would be perfect. Mm. But, you know. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So the the good one, Val. Good spot. <laughs> <laughs> Things you think of. All right. So the final reason why your images aren't sharp is uh, something I like to call the autofocus kaka zone. So kaka, another <laughs> technical term, just means shite, really. So there are still to this day, even with all the amazing developments in uh, autofocus there are still certain light situations where autofocus can't cope and run screaming for its mother or the <laughs> autofocus cucker zones. And so you might have experienced this where you're trying to take a photo, you've got like all your friends are in a group and they're at the beach and the sun's out, the sun's behind them and you're about to take a photo, nice blue sky and everyone's like, yeah smiling and you're trying to take the shot but your autofocus is doing that and it can't lock on to anything because you've got a a situation that's backlit and high contrast and so there's all this light streaming in onto the um the cameras uh into the lens and the camera can't find an edge to lock onto because what it's actually trying to do is find a high contrast edge because that's how it focuses. It looks for contrast. So if you've ever tried to take a shot of a beautiful blue sky where there's you know no clouds, nothing on, you point your camera up at the sky and try and focus, it'll do the same. It'll hunt forever because there isn't any contrast for it to lock onto. And this will also happen if you've got, say, some very low light conditions, you know, low contrast lighting where there isn't quite an edge uh, or it's dusk and they just it just can't find the edge. So what do you do? And this, oh, my God, this drove me up the wall for so long. The best thing to do, if you've got a, um, a backlit scene, so often it might be where you, you want to try and do an arty shot of someone and you've got the sun low in the sky, it's backlighting them, and then you're going to maybe use some fill flash or a, a reflector to light them, but you just can't get a lock on. What you can do is, and this, this will work, it works with uh, when your camera's on tripod. So you can have your camera on tripod in these situations and you can just get someone to hold something behind the person so that it blocks the sun for a minute. You've removed that backlight. You can then get a focus. So mm-hmm. you, you're auto-focusing on the eyes. Turn the autofocus off and don't touch anything else and then you can right. move the thing from behind the the it might be a reflector or something that you've put to block the sun, take it away and now you can shoot, shoot the, 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 do the shoot. But, but you want to make sure that the person isn't going to be moving forward or back, but that's a way around getting around the, the backlighting situation so you can get a, uh, a decent lock on. The other way is if you've got, um, if you're in low light, like it's twilight or something like that, so you, you, you might be doing a shoot where, you're using fill flash, but you just can't. The camera just keeps searching because it's too flat. The light's too low. It can't quite get a lock on. There isn't enough contrast. The best um, hack that I've found for this is to 
you just um, get the model to hold their phone in front of their face with the oh, screen yes. on and that creates a bright high contrast area and then you focus on the screen again you turn your autofocus on get a lock on, so you get them to hold the phone in front of their face and there's a shot of this in the show notes that that might help you get an idea you lock on to the screen turn your autofocus off and then you can continue to photograph the person that you want in in those low light conditions Excellent. That's a really good hack, actually. When it's you so handy. Me, I was like, oh my goodness, so brilliant. And the very, other one, very clever. The other one is just uh, shine a torch on the model so that you've got a little bit more light, and then the right. and then the camera can actually find a um, a point yep. and lock on and uh, light that. But it's again, that's that's tricky to you know you you don't want to be shining a torch that's too bright but that that might help you also get a focus so it's all about getting uh contrast in the shot so there you go val that's uh five reasons why your images aren't sharp and how to fix them so i hope that helps everyone because it's so frustrating it's so sad when you think you've got that shot you're so excited and then you realize oh it's soft I'm sure that if there are listeners who have some issues with how soft their images are, hopefully the answer is going to be in one of those tips because I think they're awesome. They're really good. That's really solid. Thanks for that, Gina. That was cool. No worries, Val. All right. So before we wrap up then, what are you doing in the coming week? I've got a huge week, Val. I reckon I'm going to be so wrecked (laughs) this week. (laughs) Oh, I good. can't wait to hear all about it. <laughs> what about you? Oh, what about me? I'm actually just really tired at yeah. the moment. Um, so I, but uh, there's qu- quite a few things. I've got. I've got to go to book launch. I've got to go to um, a seminar. I've got to go to do a bunch of things. So mm. I'm hoping I get some rest in there. And I really just want to watch Netflix, to yeah. be honest. But anyway, you need a t-shirt we... with that. I really just want to watch. I'd rather be watching Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, that's so true. Um, where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on Instagram and Twitter. You'll also find me in the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook community. And if you want to connect with me in person and you want to take your photography to the next level, I'd love the opportunity to work with you. Check out the goal community. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.